Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. Keynote. Hey, 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 how are you? One of the funniest guys coming up to trader, like oil trade, because I want everybody's asking me about oil and I know nothing. And you've, you just know from spending oil money. Yeah, <laughs> what's going on in Norway with negative oil? Is that like a top? Was well, that front page news in well, Norway for, today? First of all, today? I don't know exactly what okay. the, what the, what the price people is. People weren't but, sending. But they're talking pictures. about negative oil when they're talking about fracking in the U.S. and Canada because that it costs so much to oh take out. It's and Trump said we're going to save everybody. Great, so we got to yeah. save the frackers. It's the dumbest oh, thing ever. It's the best saver in the world. Yeah, no, but it just bugs me. It's like why? You know, I get it. A lot of people are in the industry, but like, why aren't a lot of people in the solar energy or wind? Oh yeah, because it causes cancer. Like, it's just so yeah. stupid. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we're getting a green deal without even getting a green deal because people are just like, fuck it. I don't even want oil at negative. It's really bizarre. So you think uh, you think people in Norway are a little bit stressed? Checks maybe a little lighter. You're so Probably, diversified. Yeah. yeah, well, still a lot depends on it. Yeah. All right, well, we, I, uh, no one, I don't know who saw this coming. I think Eric Crittenden talked on the show a month ago saying you could see weird things like this. He actually mentioned negative oil. And oh, a yeah. month later, we have negative oil. I know. Um, so I don't want to, I'm going to, Alan Schur, we're going to have on the phone. He's retired. He was a uh, partner at um, Glencore. Peter, like Peter Cardassus. Okay. So these guys work together. These guys travel the world. This guy was the head of oil trader. So he's seen everything. And then, and so I got to get his opinion on what's going on, what this means. So Alan Sure, we're going to give him a call. He's in Florida, which is uh, a liberal place to be, not liberal, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, as red a place as you'd want to be other than Phoenix. Yeah. But I think their beaches are closed, whereas our deserts are open. Yeah. So uh, we'll get him on the phone. And but first, a message from Coifin, one of our portfolio companies. Um, that's uh, who we're going to talk about today. If you want to track and analyze what's happening in the current market turmoil, Coifin is the product for you. It's a web-based platform that lets you analyze stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, and other assets all in one place. I use it every day to track what's going on in the market, and I think if you try it, you will too. Coifin has a ton of high-quality data, powerful functionality in a clean interface. The best part is it's free. You can sign up at koifin.com. That's K-O-Y-F-I-N.com. Canute, let's get Alan on the phone. Hello. Sure thing. Hey, man. Hey, man. It's 6.30 there. It's uh, April 21st. It's the East Coast. And what's the weather like today in Florida? It, uh, we set a record high yesterday. It's Uh-oh. a little cooler today. It's about 88 and sunny with low humidity and a nice breeze. It's like being in the Caribbean today. It's lovely. Oh, man. Well, Phoenix yeah. is the same. It's a dry, no wind sun. I played golf today with my son. My son, my son, I think, had five birdies in a row today, Max. Max is a beast. He won 88. So we had a $25 eight-person skins game. 
with no none of us carries cash anyways and none, even the old people don't care cash he went he's like a little he's a little nervous he won 88 dollars today so he goes dude do you think they're going to be mad at me i said no fuck that take their goddamn money and flaunt it in front of their face these kids exactly. are like scared of winning the uh, uh he's quite the golfer you've played, with, played him with him maybe when he was before. a little kid yeah when he was a little kid yeah. now he just walks up yeah. and he hits a 280 and it's straight oh it's disgusting so um is the courses open are you is there golf where you are no we uh oh wow the, so they're shut down it's funny it's in florida it's on a county by county basis so oh. the three the three southeastern counties closed the beaches golf courses parks everything makes on no march sense. Tw- march it makes no sense we had a great system going yeah. uh the whole you know the whole cdc guidelines and they just uh they just they just shut it down. So uh, we've been shut down. My last round of golf at my club was March 25th. Wow. Uh, in the next three weeks, we're 78 during the day, sunny, and 67 at night. It was the perfect. We missed spring this year. So uh, uh, we'll see. There's a petition that started circulating and went viral this weekend. Uh, I, they're going to have to open it back up. It's ridiculous. Have to open it up. We're adults. Like adults, you live in America to be an adult. Everybody should wear gloves and a mask, and uh, let's see what happens. Not, you know, exactly. And I say that not loosely. I mean, old, it sucks to be old. I'm not, I'm no, not happy we, to be we, old. Yeah, but we played for two weeks with one person per card. The clubhouse yeah. closed. No, no taking the flag out. No rakes. I it's mean, happening here. Just fucking yeah, just we were, move we your ball if you land in a foot thing. Like let's yeah. let's start being adults. And uh, I don't, you know. But anyways, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about. Uh, let's give everybody a little background on Alan Sure in the, in the old oil days. Okay. So tell me, tell me a little bit about. I mean, you're retired now. I told people before we came on, but tell me about like the the, the oil markets and where you started. Well, I started in. Uh, it was. In, I started in 1978 with Sol <laughs> Petroleum Company, man, a long time ago, right, right out of college. And uh, my uh, uh, second year was the 1979 Iranian oil embargo, so I got a. I got an early lesson in volatility. The price of oil tripled, quadrupled, whatever. From what it was. to what? Do you remember? It tripled it just from the embargo. <sighs> I think, I think it went from like ten to thirty-five or oh, twelve to Lord. thirty-eight. And what did that do to the markets? I had to abort the markets, like inflation. It was insane. So it's, the markets uh, went down on oil. It used to be the markets would crash on that kind of oil move. I, dude, I had no money. Oh, okay. I, I have no idea what the stock market okay, did. Okay. <laughs> I was making seventeen thousand dollars a year. I had no income. Yeah. Now a robot's doing that job, so seventeen k exactly. would be great. So, exactly. so you're making seventeen, and oil goes from to so. So what is that like? What was that like? It was amazing. I mean, it's like, and I was in a job where I was. Uh, we sold. I was in the chemicals business, and we sold a lot of chemicals that came out of refineries. So here was a young guy. I was trying to negotiate transfer prices monthly with a refinery. We sold chemicals with 30-day price protection, and they raised the price every day on what we were getting. It was a, it was an awesome uh, education. <laughs> yeah, we were losing so much money on one side and making so much money on the other. So I learned about transfer pricing early. Uh, it was great. We went to a premier employment program because people were hiring right and left. Uh, they started giving us 25% raises, and this went on for. A few years, and then uh, in 1986, oil collapsed to ten bucks again, and they just started indiscriminately uh, cutting people. So I, I I saw the full cycle 
in eight years wow. of up and down, which is pretty short in oil. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and then I, I stayed there for uh, a few more years, and then I, uh, I left for a startup, which was starting up an old refinery in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. which was uh, interesting but a disaster. <laughs> and I, I, uh, my boss ended up going to prison. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, I was yeah, there small, ten months. Small infraction. Small infraction. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was there ten months, and then I joined uh, what became Glencore, and. Uh, in 1990 who recruited uh, you there the old man no no mark was in uh switzerland it was actually it was a french gentleman who uh ran the oil department and uh a guy named mark crandall who was an interesting character his his father was uh, robert crandall the C- ceo of american airlines so huh. uh that was interesting and uh I worked there for 19 years. I uh, I spent a couple of years in the States. I spent four years in London, and I traded uh, products. I traded gasoline and naphtha and, and, and you know, light products, refinery, refined products. And so how, and I, go huh? ahead, and then what? No, I just say, I stayed there I, at the end of 2008. The company was gonna IPO. It had become, we had bought Mark Rich out. It had become very large, and uh, 08 happened. And uh, you know it was gonna it was gonna take another four years, and I uh, I was worn out, so I uh, I bagged it at the end of '08 and quit trading. And watching the oil, can you explain a little bit what what that was like yesterday? I don't think people like that negative oil. Have you seen that before? <laughs> That's the first time, right? From like a contract to go negative. Well, it's the first time a futures contract's gone okay. negative, and, and there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Storage. I'm, I'm amazed nobody's reported it, but last week, CME, who owns the, the NYMEX, uh-huh. changed the, the, they had to change their code, their computer code, to allow the contract to go negative. It was kind of a Y2K thing, but they could see that this was going to happen. Got it. And and so they changed their computer code last week, is what I've been told. To allow it to go negative? To allow it to go negative. To allow yeah. it to trade negative. I can't even understand what trading negative means. Well, look, it, it what happened yesterday, Howard, was is a very specific thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a futures contract, but when it expires, any if you go off if 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 at two thirty today you owned a contract mm-hmm. you owed or you were short a contract mm-hmm. you get matched up and it goes physical. Mm-hmm. So somebody has to give you a contract's a thousand barrels, forty two thousand gallons of crude oil in in Cushing, Oklahoma, and uh-huh. somebody gives it to you and you got to take it. And there's a whole nomination process. So so. You know, most futures like like Brent and the, the, the IP in London, that's all cat what they call cash settlement futures. There's never goes physical. But the NYMEX is physical. It's it's actually and what happened is I think you had some people that didn't understand that very well. But you think? but yeah. you also have to think about in a super weak market. Mm-hmm. Everybody that, that, you know, shale, there's all these little wells spread all over the place that produce five barrels, ten barrels, and there's guys that gather those in trucks. Got it. And, and the only buyer was the NYMEX. Got it. Was the May contract. So they've spent the last few weeks, and from what I hear, just scouring every tank, cleaning it out, and selling it because they don't know when they'll ever be able to sell those tanks again. God damn. So you just, <laughs> it was a, it was a, 
You know, a black swan, it's kind of like a three-headed zebra swan is what happened yesterday. Is a three-headed zebra swan. <laughs> it is that... so many standard deviations off the mean, you can't count it. You know, it's just crazy. But now that it's happened, it's going to be priced into new things forever, correct? Like, no, I mean, if you were a trader and you wake up tomorrow, you're like, now it has to, you have to think that's possible forever. Well, it's. I, of course, it, no, yeah. it's it's not possible forever. No, it's but possible now, in a model forever, theoretically, because now the model's been expanded. Well, you're you're nobody's going to move oil into that market at this price now. Obviously, June dropped fifty percent today. Did it? It dropped to like under fifteen. It dropped to at one point it was under eleven. Oh my God! Okay, so yeah, yeah. so so wow, I haven't followed it today because you know I'm busy golfing. And zooming. See, of course. <laughs> but, but you know, it looks, look, the NYMEX, because it can go physical, is an actual cash buyer of physical crude It's when it expires. And so what happens to those people who didn't know what was going on? They are going to get a call from the NYMEX? What will, what will happen? Oh, I think they probably, they, they when it went to minus $37 yeah, a barrel, that was the barfed. guys getting out of their contracts. Got it. Because they knew two thirty today is like no more joking. It could go negative a hundred. Like it's all fun and games until it could be ten thousand dollars negative tomorrow. Unbelievable! People it just was, got. Listen, we talked about me coming on this a, a week and oh, a half I ago. Should. I wish I'd been on last week. I would have looked like the smartest man in the world. But well, you are. Happen, hey, so. People just know you are because I'm saying it. It's who cares? Like we talk all the time. <laughs> like we, you're you you're kind of antenna. We were sending. We rarely send emails back and forth, but you were starting to send me like this shit's getting weird in private equity and stuff. Like you read yeah. all day because. You know, you're retired. I'm retired and I can't and play smart. golf. Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> so, uh, so what happened? What happened was an anomaly. Uh -huh. But but I knew I mean, the market when I started talking about getting really bearish, the market other than just demand. And we can talk about that. But mm -hmm. I saw a couple of things three and a half weeks ago where freight rates for for ships tripled in one week yeah the tanker thing yeah that's just people taking floating storage that's not to move things it's to store things and then i have a buddy that trades west coast gasoline and he called me three and a half weeks ago and he i said how bad is it he said prompt gas into the pipeline in los angeles is 38 cents a gallon that was that was over ten dollars below crude oil meaning they just so, have to move it so they just the price you have can't to move just, it you have to move it you have to store it. Remember, oil's a liquid. Mm -hmm. it has to be in a tank or a pipe or a truck. You just can't pile it up in a street, you know? Mm -hmm. So when it gets physical, it gets physical. It's a whole different... What, what people see on TV and stuff is the futures and the paper, and there's a million people that trade paper oil. But when, it, when you trade physical, which is what we did... You know, you you trade these imbalances and you move it around the world. Wow! And uh, let me tell you, it's it's not over. <laughs> it's not over. So so yeah, I got a million questions, but I, like I, it's you, we throw these words around and I don't even understand. So I'm trying to. I'll try to slow. No down. no no no, it's not that. So in in in, what was the impetus? It's a demand. You saying that you saw something happening before the demand shock hit. Or is this just well, now a demand shock or it's I a storage saw, shock? I knew that, look, oil demand is was 100 million barrels a day. Okay, 100 million barrels a day. 100 yeah. million barrels a day. And there's 42 gallons a barrel, all right? That's that's a lot of oil. And that's, that's every day. That's every and day. I, 
and so December 31st, that was all getting placed, plus or minus a couple of percent. Mm-hmm. And then it started in China, and, and, and you just saw demand falling. But we had, as this thing played out over the first quarter, demand, I, I've read everything, but let's, let's call it 25 to 30% demand dropped. Uh-huh. That's 25 to 30 million barrels a day. Wow. Okay, so that's, just, that's yeah. it's just and, and 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 it doesn't start with crude oil. It starts with products. You don't consume crude, you consume gasoline, diesel, jet fuel, heating oil. So it starts that's why I thought the LA gasoline was significant because this is the first sign of gasoline demands down 50% in California. Makes sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense obviously, but it makes sense based on the news. Yep. It's unprecedented. So that, that was just signs, and this is all starting to wash back into the crude oil system because refinery runs have, have been cut dramatically in the U.S. I mean, there's been refineries shut down on the West Coast, right? and there'll be more. Which all Which leads to an eventual, we talked about yesterday, a super spike. Because when you get all this thing, when you, get, when you tighten the system this badly, and we don't, we're not going to get off crude for 50 years or 100 years, or whatever it is, there's gonna, everybody's gonna get shut down at the wrong time, no? Well, it's not so much a short-term deal. Uh, the, the, the real super cycle is gonna take time. You're gonna, you're gonna shut down investment right. over some period of time. It's gonna, not gonna be months or weeks. It's gonna be a, a years, a few years. Got it. And, and as demand comes back, this stuff will start back up and we'll hit some kind of equilibrium. But I have no idea what the financial fallout's going to be. I mean, if you take oil from $50 to $10 a barrel, you'd knock a trillion and a half dollars out of people's countries' revenues and companies' revenues. It's a massive amount of money. It, who, I don't know what the effect of that's going to be. And so, but it's large. It's large. And in the United States, I think uh, Trump was out saying he's just going to backstop all this. Is that like... Uh is that, po- I mean, obviously it's possible they can just keep printing, but like, it's a bigger industry here than people realize. Well, it's, it's, it's a big industry, but, but we're a high cost producer. Fracking is a high cost. The fracking business is, is, is going to get hammered. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's just no two ways about it. There's no way to backstop it. There's no way people, to backstop it. Yeah. You know, oil, oil doesn't represent, it represents what, 5% of the S&P 500. Mm-hmm. It's become insignificant because oil stocks have done nothing for 15, 20 years and tech has just run past it. But it's still a big business. But there's nothing you can do. You can't you can't have $50 production costs. Yeah, it's just so inefficient. It's, there's going to be a big washout. It's going to be a big washout. There's going to be bankruptcies and consolidation and, you know. And so how would and, you, or are you just avoiding? Like, so even seeing this carnage, is there like a, a list that gets passed around smart people and go, how do you express saying, ah, I just want to just keep a, something in oil for, for an eventual, you know, beginning of a new cycle, or is it just not even worth looking at? No, I just, I have no oil in my portfolios. That's my interesting. No. That, that's interesting. Cause you, you're kind of into tech. What's so fun is like some of my friends like you is just like, all right, like I may not understand tech, but it makes sense to me. I use it all day, and uh, you kind of love this stuff. I do. And so, what has the, been the the shock to your portfolio? Everybody has investments that just were like fine, and then, oh God, 
because you know you've been around so long so you've got businesses that just have to have gotten like is it the sports team sports teams brutally tough <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i've taken my hits on equity Mm-hmm. Uh, I found it the the mark to market on bonds and and the defensive insurance positions that 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 you know you have have been mark to market crazy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that's been a little scary. But I think I think with the Fed saying they'll backstop everything, that'll all sort itself out. If you don't have to sell it, if you don't have to sell your bond that was trading one hundred five at eighty eight today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's already come back to 101. It, right. It's just a mark-to-market panic thing. But private investments that I have, yes, there's a minor league baseball team that I have no idea. I mean, what's what's baseball going to look like? We don't we don't we're strictly dependent upon customers. You know, bodies in the seats, right. and uh, I have no idea. It right now, I, I it doesn't. It's it's horrible. You know, it's just zero. We talked about this, but the the thing that's so different about this is that it's just all top line. There's just no revenue. It's yeah. not about my margin got squeezed. There's no revenue. <laughs> I mean, I just drive, like I said, I'm driving around Phoenix, and it's just like 1950s Phoenix, except with 2020 population. And it's like the infrastructure feels like it's ahead of its time. It's like, oh, yeah. man, this is a futuristic city. And I know it'll be clogged up again, but it's like having all the infrastructure with none of the people is just, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's eerie. And then, and then I've, I've got quite a bit of, of uh, investments in real estate and, and, you know, time will tell. I, th- I think most of them will, will work themselves out. Uh, we didn't go into anything with a lot of leverage, mm-hmm. uh, not a lot of retail. So mm-hmm. I, I think they'll, I think they'll, they'll, sort themselves out but it's really hard to to take a snapshot of any any operating business right now uh, mm-hmm. and and know what it means because we don't know what's coming down the road and so how has let's go back to oil how has technology changed what you did back in the glencore days so tell like like what was the job as an oil trader you know 20 years ago what did it, what was the you wake up and what what or did you not sleep but like what was it what was the job how did you make money well, we, we were an international trader, mm-hmm. physical. We had offices in 53 countries. Mm-hmm. And, and the job was talking to, was a lot of phone work, mm-hmm. uh, talking to customers, suppliers, offices. There were a lot, a lot of our business was done on tenders. So, you know, a lot of oil supply comes out of uh, less developed countries. Mm-hmm. People that have resources but no consumption. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time in, in South America and all over. I lived in Europe, Africa, you know, the Far East. Uh, and and what we did was arbitrage. So you would, you know, if you load a cargo in the Arabian Gulf and it normally flows to Japan, but all of a sudden Japan has a weak market and you're pricing off Japan, now you might redirect that cargo into Houston, Texas off a of a different pricing basis. We traded a lot of bases. So the, flo- so the ship would be floating and you would just be moving it around. Yeah, we moved it in ships. I mean, we would we would charter at any one point in time. Our company might have a few hundred ships on the water, you know? Wow. It was a big business. Wow. Oil's a bit, you know, the, the scale of oil is is humongous. A hundred million barrels a day. That's a lot. That's, that's 40... 
That's 4.2 billion gallons a day moving around. It's just a scale that's hard for people to relate to. So, yeah, it's, it's moving all the time. It never stops. And so your stress would be what? Like what would be a good day and a bad day? Uh, a good day mm-hmm. would be uh, where we have a position on that, that we believe the market's going to move this way, and it does. And we're able to then sell the cargo into a different market, capture a big profit, you know, an arbitrage. Mm-hmm. A bad day? Mm-hmm. Uh, to, today, yesterday would have been a really bad day to because be stuck in a position you can't stop. get out of. Yeah. Because uh, on but, you know, size, you just you, you, get you have a great, you make a fixed price sale, a fixed price sale, and it sails into port. You're ready to discharge, and it's off spec. The quality's off. And they reject the cargo, and the markets dropped three dollars a barrel, and you're you're exposed to that three dollar barrel drop because you've already sold fixed price. Hmm. Now all of a sudden you were short, and you didn't even realize it, or you were long, and you didn't even realize it. Those are the kind of things that happen in physical trading that doesn't happen in paper and derivatives and stuff. Right. It's it's every every transaction is is. You know, we had four people to support every physical trader. It was very labor intensive, man. Very labor. So you were never out of the woods until like the fucking check cleared or they proved the oil or the quality. Getting paid was a big deal. Yeah. Because if you're selling into Ecuador and you've got a letter of credit and you have to present your documents to the central bank and if one of your 28 documents has something wrong on it, they don't pay you. So we would fly couriers around with documents to deliver them personally. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a very, and you know what? It hasn't changed that much. Huh. So technology it has, hasn't you know, changed that much. What's sure. different today? The huh. physical trading is fundamentally the same. I mean, it even be more complicated, right? With all this. Look, I've been out of it for, for almost 12 years. So okay. I, 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 but, but. I don't think the it's still a personal relationship, a country relationship. There's still there's still good old fashioned uh, relationship business that drives this thing, mm-hmm. and and the tech guys came in and tried to in the late '90s. There was a big push to try to take uh, the more rote brokerage transactional pipeline batches, thing barges, things that happen over and over and over again and try to digitize it. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't work because, you know, the guy, at Exxon, is hard to digitize. the guy at Exxon is not, he goes to meetings and he pops out of a meeting and he sells 300,000 barrels of Gulf Coast pipeline gasoline and he gives it to a broker. He's just not going to sit at a screen and do it. It just doesn't work that way. So it just didn't work. So I don't think it's that much difference. It's still an old-fashioned commodity business. It's and, great. And who is the big player today, then? Is it still your old firm? My old firm, a uh, company called Vital, a company called Trafigura. Um, and then all, you know, the big oil, BPs, Shells of the World Trade, Total, uh, even Exxon trades now. Is there uh, endless oil? Like when in the remember there was like oh wait it was like peak oil and it was like peak oil in yeah in the fifties yeah is there endless oil well, essentially it's just a matter of price yeah amazing and yeah. so is there going to be a time where it could be hundred dollar oil again or hundred and fifty dollar oil um 
I think it's possible if you kill if you completely kill the investment cycle. Um, it's possible. It's it's harder because the 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 thing that's different with shale is that you can produce the the if you do an all if you do a deep water field in the Gulf of Mexico, it's call it ten years and two to three billion dollars of investment to get up and running. Wow. Shale can get up and running in a few months, really. Mm-hmm. It's not that kind of scale, but 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 yes, I think we can have another spike. And and I kind of, you know, I mean, one of the things is what <laughs> there's so many questions with no answers right now, but yeah. you know, 10 to 20 dollar oil makes the whole alternative world look different, you know. But you still need oil to make Teslas and power all this stuff. Of course you do. Yeah. And so I was looking at a Tesla, you know, uh, a chart that had Tesla versus oil, like the parabolicness of Tesla. Yeah, I saw that. It. I mean, it's fascinating. There's no one that saw that. I don't think even Musk saw that happening nah. like this, right? He's just there building his product, not thinking about oil, just thinking about his product. Yeah. But now they have the grid. Do you own any Tesla stock? Are you like a bullish on this whole idea? I don't understand Tesla stock. Uh, am I bullish? Um, Just on grit, on like the electric car and, you know. I, I believe that, uh, I, 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 am I bullish? Yeah, because the government's going to mandate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, I believe the mo- by far the most efficient answer to balancing cost, efficiency, environmentally are hybrids. Right. Because you have you can have more space and 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 you can have sixty seventy miles a gallon, and you really only turn the engines on occasionally. I just think hybrids are a much more efficient way to do it. Huh. Um, but I I uh, I don't. Uh, they're not. They're not uh, popular. Not that popular. Well, neither. Uh, let's face it. They're not selling. Other than Teslas, there's not that many electric cars being sold. People yeah. want bigger yeah. vehicles, you know. Right. Especially now uh, with oil cheap, people are just going to switch back and go, "Fuck! I can I can fill my car for four, <laughs> at, at my tank for forty dollars, like a big car." Yeah, I mean, gasoline in Florida. If you go if you go five miles inland, it's buck sixty nine a gallon. That's like twenty year ago prices. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Oh, and it hasn't come down yet. Right, it should be near a buck at this at these prices. It, it'll come down, but you know, it it this is this is gonna. I mean, demand is gonna come back up, Howard. I mean, this twenty. Usually, you look at a commodity and the price will swing on an on an imbalance of you know one, two, three percent in demand. Mm-hmm. So if the market short Got two it. million barrels a day on a base of a hundred, well, it'll be kind of tight, you know. Mm-hmm. To see a twenty-five to thirty percent drop in demand almost overnight is yep. just too it's much. A, it's a catastrophe, right? And you're saying fifty percent in California, like or LA, yeah, on gasoline, yeah. yeah. And so, what's the difference between gasoline? And, like, so what's the process? Like, how does it? Uh, what are the differences between crude oil and gasoline? Yeah, like how's the process? So, like, what? Well, it's, did it's, you, that's what a that's what a refinery. The does. refinery does it. Just makes it. It takes. Time. You know, in a simple way, if, with, you know, any chemistry, you know, uh, crude oil is very heavy. It has these long chain molecules. Mm-hmm. And basically what refineries do are break them into shorter molecules, lighter molecules. So gasoline is, is, is just a lighter product. 
So when you, in refining, you, you break them down. You get propane and butane, you get gasoline, you get uh, jet fuel, then mm. diesel, heating oil, and on up. It's just a conversion, and you're just breaking the molecules down into something that's usable in everyday life. Mm. And I mean, that's an interesting play right now. Uh, refiners are they're still pure refining plays in equities, mm. and they've been hammered. I guess, yeah. Oh, wait, they're just shutting all their plants down. It's the other thing about oil. You know, people go, how can you operate with negative prices? Well, it costs money to shut, shut oil wells down. down yeah. And you don't really know exactly how they're going to come back. You're dealing with stuff under the ground. Mm -hmm. And there's pressure involved. And, and you just don't, you're not guaranteed that it's going to come back the That's way it was before. Mm -hmm. So there's there's risk, it, and it's it's not an overnight thing. You just can't turn it on and off. It's 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 kind of like some guy on TV said, "Well, I wouldn't take oil. I wouldn't pay to take oil. I'd just dump it on the ground." I said, "Well, number one, you'd end up in jail because you'd be violating every <laughs> environmental law. But it's not like milk where you can dump it in the manure pit when you don't want it. You know, it right. just doesn't work that way." Yep, very interesting. Do you remember the first time you panicked in a trade? Yeah. And what was it? Uh, it was funny. It was uh, the first time I got in the real oil market, which was uh, my, after nine years at Phillips. And I was buying all of the feedstock for a big petrochemical plant in Puerto Rico. And I had to buy my first. It was my first cargo I'd ever bought. And it's five million bucks. And I don't know the market. You know, I'm brand new in the job. It's my first week. I'm in O'Hare Airport in the Admirals Club. And I had to buy a cargo in this Wiley veteran took my pants down. And, what does that mean? And I what bought a cargo that so he he knew the, something that you didn't. Yeah, he knew something. He had four of these cargos strung out between Indonesia and Puerto Rico, and I bought the first one at a high price, the second one at a lower price. By the time I bought the fourth one, I had learned and I pulled his pants down. <laughs> but I can still remember buying a five million dollar cargo of oil and being, oh my God, what what have I done? Did I leave? A million dollars on the table, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you get over that. But it was the first cargo. After that, I've had terrifying trades on that I couldn't get out of. But that was probably the scariest one, to pull the trigger on the first, you know, five million bucks back in, uh, that was 1987. That was a big deal. But, but it wasn't your money, it was the firm's money. It was the firm's money, but I always treated it as mine. Yeah, that's why you're a good trader. So, so... And then today, um, you just don't take th that kind of risk anymore. No, I mean, I no, it's not a. It's I, you can't you can't trade part time. Right. Physical oil. You have to be. I mean, I used to go if I went on vacation for two weeks. The first week they would call me ten times a day. By the second week, everything had changed, and I I was of no use to them anymore. You know what I mean? Wow. It, 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 they figured out how to just, they just finally figured out to go around you. you well, they just it. had to make the decisions themselves. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's not a part-time thing. I, you know, I had people, I thought about some consulting, but you know what? Glencore was one of the great business success stories of all time. And I was in the middle of it. And it's like at the end, when you quit, I felt like I'd played for the Yankees, you know? Yeah. And, there, and I was worn out. You were just uh, 19 out. years of that, you know, you said, when did you relax? I finally relaxed after that first morning when I woke up. 
I mean, I, re- I left the office. I grabbed my kids. We went to Australia for two and a half weeks. So when I came back, the first morning I woke up and I had no position on. There was no risk. I, I was at peace. It was unbelievable. Because you, it's, it never stops. You know, you're sitting there on Thanksgiving with a cargo rejected in Ecuador. <laughs> and you have to deal with it. Oh, it's just bizarre. <laughs> And it some is, of the and so the one funny story is the Chinese when you had to take them to, to when they were stuck in Mexico. What was that deal? <laughs> I took I took uh, eight guys from Beijing to Cancun. Yeah, why yeah. did you take them to Cancun again? So what was the backstory? Well, I was I had a contract with uh, with the Chinese to mm-hmm. lift uh, gasoline out of Dalian up in the north, and I was moving it into west coast of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And they they decided that that they were going to cut me out of that deal, so they all got on a plane and went to Mexico City to see Pmax, and then of course being well, they said, "Why don't you host us in Mexico while we come try to take your business away from oh, you?" Which God. is hilarious in its own right, but that's right. just the way it was back then. Uh-huh. So I said, "Yeah, we'll meet in Cancun." So I had eight guys in Cancun for three days. They showed up in wool suits, wool overcoats. It was the. I told you the story at yeah. dinner that night. It's. We should make a movie, man. It was so, hilarious. So they show up and they're completely unprepared for like the weather in Mexico, and they're wearing like yeah. these old wool suits. And yeah, so you so, took them out on the ocean. Did you? So how did you? You smelled a rat. Did you? Or did you figure out they were coming? To oh, like, I knew exactly what they were doing. They were trying to get Pmax and Sinochem to to do business back in the back then. It just wasn't going to happen. Dude. There was just no way. They didn't even. They couldn't even. Yeah, it just wasn't going to happen. I wasn't worried about it. I got and, it. Uh, but they came in, so I sent them the story. The, the first event was they walk in the lobby and everybody's just staring aghast, you know. And and I sent them. I told them to go buy some clothes. So they went into the the store in the lobby and then. When I met them downstairs to go out on the boat, they all had on exactly the same little blue shorts, white T-shirt, and pink sandals. <laughs> and it was, and it was just that just started three days of the most bizarre time I ever had in my life. It was a, it was because a lap they would ride. just jump in the water not knowing how to swim. If you said one guy up. jumped in to snorkel, and I told him to jump in. He jumped in. I didn't realize he couldn't swim, and he sank right <laughs> to the bottom. And the captain and I had to dive in and pull him out. It was just, <laughs> I mean, this is, it's like that movie, the Japan movie with the car where they would come over and the Chinese are still doing that in other industries, right? Like that's not just any, it's every industry. Like they're buying manufacturing companies in the U S right, oh, yeah. in Wisconsin and stuff. And it's just like their rules are so different than our rules. Yeah. Well, you were always fascinated with, you know, I started, I, I went to Beijing and I don't know, 1991 and, and or 92. And there was only one hotel you could stay at as a Westerner. It was just, that must have it was been a scary. whole different place back then, man. Yeah. Now I went yeah, and it was fun. like five star and it's still like, if you look around the corner, it was less than one star, but they know they mix five star with the rest of, of China. It was just a freaky experience. So I'm a one I and remember, done on China. I'm a one and done. Yeah, our, our guy took us to Tiananmen Square and it was us and two cars, two little boxy black cars following us everywhere we went. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Really interesting. Tiananmen Square is a big place. There was nobody there, but us, it was unbelievable. And so the future, what, what, uh, what kind of stuff interests you now, obviously around the kids and et cetera, but like, what, what do you, what interests you now? You know, I, um, 
I moved to Florida a couple of years ago. My youngest got out of college. I finally am kind of relaxing. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really working on my golf game. I've got a good set of friends down here. Mm-hmm. I'm single, mm-hmm. so I'm starting to date. You know, I'm doing some stuff like that and just uh, really trying to, to have a, a, a more relaxed second life. You know, I, I, quit, I quit trading when I was early 50s. So I, I never really settled into being comfortable not working because I always worked when I started working when I was 15. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of chill now, man. I'm just relaxing. Uh, I enjoy investing. I, I, I love social leverage partly because I like it's 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 intellectually interesting. I enjoyed the I'm sorry that the, the conference didn't happen. I got to come last year to yeah. meet all the LPs and the CEOs. And it's just fascinating. I, I like working with entrepreneurs and younger people. Yes, yeah, our first, first time we haven't been able to do that in 12 years. So it's just yeah, weird. Yeah, I had so much fun last year at that. And uh, so I'm still involved. I'm, I, I still invest, and I've got, we've got some younger, most of the real estate we do are with younger guys that had, you know, six or 10 years of, of investment bank, and, and they went out on their own, and they're, they're, they're a riot. They're so much fun to work with, you know? And what about Florida um, itself? Are you bullish on Florida? I am. It, um, you know, I, I said never Florida, and I came down here. I'm in Delray Beach. It's a very vibrant, young place. There's a lot of businesses moving down here. Um, yeah, I am bullish Florida. I, uh, I think. And are you right on the beach? I'm, I'm, um, I'm in a condo right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm on the intracoastal and the beaches across the street. Yeah. yeah. I'm on the little barrier island. Yeah, it really is. You know, I was in Florida just a couple months ago in January, and it really is on the on the coast. It really is. I mean, it's far from me, but it really is nice. Like any any, you know, with that weather, if the weather's right, it's a great place to be. Well, it's got eight months of great weather, and yep. four months it's too hot. I still have a place in Connecticut. Uh, my kids are in Connecticut. I mean, Fairfield County, right outside New York City. My my youngest actually has a place in the in the village now. So I, I, I'll go back for a few months in the summer, and I still have my golf club up there and hang out with my friends and get the nice New England summers. And um, Yeah. And what about, your, good, man. what about the friends around you, your age, that you talk to? Are people, like, uh, freaking out, or, is, or are people just, like, say, this will pass? You know, look, most of my friends are, are okay financially, mm-hmm. so they're not panicking. Um, they... Uh, Look, they're 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 all worn out and they're concerned about what's happening to our country. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just keep printing trillion dollar checks without even thinking about it. And and it's it's scary what's going on right now. We're mortgaging our kids. I mean, how are we gonna grow? We're spending our discretionary budget every forty days right now. Crazy, as a country right and no yeah, one's even raising so I, I think, a, no one's even like everybody's scared to like question it you know what i mean now the democrats are being like it's so funny like it is like the democrats are, are socialists but now if the democrats say wait a minute should we be doing this it's like oh they're evil it's like the table well, the, the most <laughs> the most ironic thing through this to me out of this whole thing is that you know, Trump came in and he's going to deregulate and do this and do that. And, and, and instead, we've implemented half of Bernie Sanders' uh, program. And you know, Andrew I mean, Yang. It's crazy. And Andrew Yang. Yeah. 
so so it, it it I think my friends are nervous about that. Yeah. Um, and then I have friends who have businesses that are affected by this that are in. Uh, I have a lot of friends that own restaurants, and they're, you know, they're scared, man. Yeah. Because it's because hard. Like, you, what are you going to do normal? next? Yeah, that's what. What are you going to do? And I mean, some of these restaurants down here. I mean, Delray Beach, and the and the, you blow through. There's a big revenue restaurants, you know. Yeah. And they've got a lot of overhead, and they're shut down. Right, and, and they, summer's they, coming up, and that's their worst season. So it's yeah, just like, exactly. I mean, it's 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 all pretty scary. So I don't know what's going to happen, but um, I, I I still have confidence that that we'll get through it all. Yeah. But I do think there's going to be a lot of fallout, and and I I, I don't know. Okay, that's I fair. Watch, I'm with you on that. I, like, I, I'm confused. I'm uh, I'm I'm scared for my kids more than myself. Uh, I kind of lived social social distancing anyway. Uh, if you think about it, I played golf. I I I'd go out to dinner with friends. I mean, but I, I I'm not a big concert or stadium guy. So you yeah. know, it's it's. But I'm 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 bored and and uh, I'm really bored. <laughs> and I want to get to work on my golf game. <laughs> I tell you what, Phoenix, I have not been bored. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I do think, like, my son, Max, was so freaking out. And then, luckily, in Phoenix, like, it's, you know, he's working. And now it's like, it's like he's a kid again because he's playing with all my friends who who are older. And because the courses are open, he just gets to hang out with all my friends who are golfing every day. And we've just told him, hey, man, this is like a, a unplanned vacation for you because he was working two jobs and those jobs don't exist. So it's just like, yeah. well, don't sit in the house and watch Netflix. Just, you know, wear gloves and your mask and ride a cart by yourself and, and uh, you know, don't have hang around for a beer or whatever after. And, and at least you get four or five hours out on, on outside. I was doing it every day until they didn't let me anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you it's know, it's so funny with Florida, golf. like Trump country and they can't play golf. It's pretty funny. It's ironic. It's, uh, well, it's just the three counties, man. Oh, it's just and, the three counties. And it's, it's the three counties that are not Trump countries. It's Got the it. three the blue counties, you know, yeah. Yeah. Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm. It's, it's, uh, it is, uh, it is, uh, we're being saved, but it's also where the concentration is. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not giving, you know, the politicians have to do what they have to do. Yeah. But I think it's time to reassess now. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like the, the, the flatten the curve was never a cure. It was to keep the hospitals from being overwhelmed. Yeah, let's now, stick to that story. Yeah. Now, now we need to start opening up intelligently. Yeah. And, and the problem is that, that we have a lot of unintelligent people in our country, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I got my mask and I, I think I can live socially distancing totally. and be very happy. Totally. Um, and uh, you know the risk. Like, listen, you've read enough. You know the risk. And, yeah. and, and uh, it's enough. Like, people need now to to uh, have educated themselves enough to know the risk. Well, hopefully we'll see you on the course soon. And I hope so. uh, it's really was fascinating to watch what happened. I was thinking of you when I just saw this oil thing. and I just needed to call you on this. I, and, and, it's always a pleasure, Howard. All right, my man. So take care down there in Florida, and we'll talk soon. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. So there is no explanation, right? Just commodities have these swings. You've seen it in Norway. 
Well, I, I think it was very interesting how he was explaining the physical nature of of moving oil around, yeah. and you know, it's it, not like I, the cloud. I don't think it's most people like think cloud. about that at all. Right. But there's an actual physical thing. Well, and it's just backed up. Yeah. Everybody's just floating yeah. and nowhere to deliver it because it's not worth delivering a, it. We needed a new international embargo. That would get the oil prices back up again. So an embargo would do what? It would hold oil back. You know, there will be less. No, but this is what happened. Then Russia and Russia and Saudi cut that deal. Just keep pumping. That's what like added fuel to the fire. Right. And they why can't they? They need to slow down the production if possible. Yeah, but obviously they need the revenue. Right. Yeah. Because they've never learned to live on what they have. (laughs) So it's just interesting, man. Uh It's a perfect storm. Uh All right, everybody. Uh, Hopefully that helped a little bit. I don't think anybody has the answer. He was being honest. Like, there is no fucking answer. It's like, Mm -hmm. you gotta, you need demand back. Right. This is just continue. And you're gonna get Uh chaos even when demand comes back. Right. But I think his answer is like, no one fucking knows. No. It's just a hundred, what was, how many million barrels? Hundred? A hundred million barrels a day. And so it's hard to like put that into visualization. 4.2 billion gallons on a daily basis. I wonder what a barrel weighs. Is it the size of you a barrel? Um, I think it's it, like a couple hundred pounds maybe. No, I think it's a couple hundred kilos. About 400 pounds is one barrel. Wow. That's unbelievable. All right, everybody. Uh, not an easy one. Uh, I think the panic... While it's subsided, the VIX is still above four. You can see why the panic is still on. So right. I don't think you got, I think you got to keep your guard up is what you got to do because we're seeing all these dislocations all over the place. So uh, we are uh, out for the night and we'll uh, see everybody soon.